grain. Get me Brackage. Experimental film. Final Cut Pro. Adderall. Premiere. Fassbender. You should do their podcast, Ari. Experimental film. Rub Vaseline on the lens. Robert Altman. Bergdorf Goodmans. Kenneth Anger. Instagram posts. Filmmaking. Pre-exposed negative. Reduced black ratio. Anything by Cassavetes. Oh my god. Alright, so... Here's the introduction to the episode, everyone. Okay, so... Let's... So we're gonna give a little backstory here to make this episode make sense. This episode uh, is about a movie called Let's Get Lost that's uh, premiering at the Maryland Film Festival right now uh, from June 12th to the 21st, which you can see at mdfilmfest.com. The movie is directed, written and directed by Sam Stillman, and it's starring Stella Schnabel, uh, Peter Green, who you may know from Pulp Fiction, Usual Suspects, The Mask, Huge Legend. Blue, Blue Streak. Blue Streak, Huge Legend, Huge Head. Uh, Leafy Wind Dragon and Eloisa Santos. Uh, it's produced by Andre Bojanic and Simone Films. It was cast by Lanor Hendricks and it was shot by Sean Price Williams and Hunter Zimney. Produced now, by Lanor Hendricks as well, I believe. Oh, okay. Sick. Produced by Lanor Hendricks should, as well. And we should also mention that on the super low low, the movie actually premiered at Film Screening 3. Oh, right. The L.A. film screening. Yeah. Um, that was film screening four, wasn't it? Man, we need to get back to doing our own podcast without us doing this shit. This is the best shit for some reason, even though this wasn't even funny. Yeah, this is sick. Yeah, this is some like full-on radio vibe. <laughs> I felt really no. weird reading that <laughs> No, I know. But you know what I mean? Just like, the, just I already feel better. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um... All right, we don't have that much time before it hits. Okay, so. Uh, no, nah, man, I'm trying to fuck around. Let's talk about girls. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason we're doing this intro is because, uh, so the first day of recording, we had John Price Williams, uh, Andre Bojanic, the producer, and Sam, the writer-director, and, and Leafy, Leafy the star, all in this group Zoom chat, and it became really chaotic, and... Stella was trying to join, and it, I don't know, didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, you can't hear Eleanor also called. Oh yeah, there's a cameo from Eleanor. So I have to explain to Sam that we couldn't hear people on speakerphone through the Zoom like microphone. We were like, you know. Anyway, so then the next day, we called Stella and talked with just her and Sam. So we're gonna start with that. So we're starting with day two, and then. Uh, we're gonna tr transition back to day one. Day one, we're, we're gonna salvage as much of it as we can because we wanted uh, this one to feel like memento. <laughs> 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 um, okay. So starting with our with day two, our conversation with Stella and Sam Stillman. Here we are. Big, big shots. Welcome to the Ion Pod. Final Cut Pro. Adderall. Hello. Hello, hello. Hi. So where's the video? It's just a picture of a white guy with a white with a white wig. <laughs> That's all you're getting. 
that's Johann Sebastian Bach. That's us. Oh, oh, there's Sebastian, but it wasn't Sebastian Bach before that. That might have been me. <laughs> no, it looked like some horrible colonialist. You're, you're, you're mistaking Sam for uh, an oil painting. <laughs> I wish. Uh, Packers, we are on with Stella Schnabel, who couldn't join us yesterday due to <laughs> Sam's Zoom incompetence, but... We're here yeah, now. I mean, why was this so easy? And yesterday it was like I was there, and then it couldn't join because there was no password. But now you've got a special spotlight, which is very nice. Yep. Which is okay. Uh, let the record show that I both Packers sent Sam the password. Nobody cares about what's going on with us while the world is fucking. Where, where are you based, and and do you have a name, or do you have something I can call you? Uh, Ion number one and two were based in New York City. Okay, cool. Is that Joe in the background? No, it's another dog. It's another dog. <laughs> no, I think the Chihuahua doesn't have such a deep guttural woof. Yeah. I think Joe. something something that we touched on yesterday that I'd love to have Stella comment on, because uh, we got good sound bites from everyone, was uh, commenting on the beauty and the chaos of a Sam Stillman set. <laughs> right. Well, including, I think, the beauty and chaos of a, of a Peter Green set. <laughs> because when you're working with someone who's made like 70 movies in his life, I guess he kind of, <clears throat> he had a really, I think he was pretty uh, professional as well as has his own vision uh, because he's such a good actor. And I don't know, I watched him speak with me and, and with Sam and it was, um, he could quell the chaos as well as uh, ignite some of it to serve the movie. Yeah. yeah. You guys um, were working pretty pretty intensely together with, with yeah, not having anything to do with, with, with anything I was doing. And Peter retains a, a wonderful mystique on, on this podcast. What was it like working with him? You know, the way that happened, Stella, I don't know if you remember, but the first- Yeah, I do. My brother suggested him, Olmo Schnabel. He suggested Peter Green. Yeah, and we said, okay. Meanwhile, I've been living on 8th Street and Avenue B for the last, um, like, nine years, and I would bump into him and his dog on the street, and I always would just tell him I have, what a great actor he was. So it was really cool to have the opportunity to work with such a, you know, expert. I think he's brilliant. Do you, have fa- do you have a favorite role of Peter's that you grew up on? Uh, I mean, how can you not love him in, in what was it, Pulp Fiction? Yeah. 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 Uh, what else? I mean, he's great in The Mask. It, yeah, we were talking about Usual Suspects yesterday, which everyone kind of shot down, but I, I think it's my favorite of Peter's. Oh, yeah, he's brilliant in Usual Suspects. I think he's great. There's not one performance of his that I think he's not absolutely believable and I learn something every time I'm watching him. Yeah, I I, I always point the Packers to Blue Streak where he plays Deke, and that's he's one of the best (laughs) comedic (laughs) villains of all time in Blue Streak. Deke Deke is such a disgusting name. It's like (laughs) all of these fucking... White supremacists basically should be called geek. <laughs> Do you remember there was a there was a, an actor we had for the role before Peter? 
yeah, of course, some pretty boy who was like absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll tell Raymond that you said he was pretty. No, Ray, Raymond Salomon. Oh, he was. Oh, a, Ra- Raymond who? Ray, Raymond Salomon. All you ever met of him was a picture, and you said no. Stella said, "If I'm gonna act in your movie, I'm gonna be working with a fucking actor." And so me and Eleanor had to had to hit the bricks and, and find an actor good enough. Respect. Um, yeah, it's not. I mean, there's so many people who want to act, who've trained, who know how to do it, who you know are trying still. I mean, we're all learning. But and I, I don't. I'm not disregarding people who have never acted because, of course, that's the whole problem with this auditioning thing: is that if you're not famous, you don't get the part, even if you were brilliant in the audition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unless you're like 12 years old or whatever. But like, uh, I thought it was important for a short movie and and, an inexperienced director to work with people who have been acting and who care about the craft. And and Stella, you you and Peter were just sort of off to the races. Like you you guys were were bringing stuff to the scene that I had no no knowledge of, no no way to anticipate. You know, you guys were like uh, two two boxers. Well, thanks. I mean, he he really helped me, and he totally was present and had a helping hand at every moment, even even at difficult moments when he disappeared and wanted to go get dinner, and we <laughs> sat and ate like spaghetti at Babo. Well, the shot was being set up, and he wanted to stay there a few minutes later <laughs> than when we should have returned. But I swear to God, there were days where you and Peter and Leafy disappeared for hours from set, where Peter wasn't even filming that day. I, I don't know. Maybe that's when um, I had to go over all of Leafy's lines because he hadn't memorized any of them and I wasn't going to do the scene in the freezing cold with somebody who didn't know their lines. <laughs> well, you know? actually, so like that's when we sat inside of a bar on what was it, Broadway and right across the street from Lincoln Center. And we worked on Leafy's monologue when we were leaving Lincoln Center before we go there. Uh, for like four hours or something. Yeah, that was you were at PJ Clark's. Yeah, I guess we were. Oh. So Stella, yeah. So you say if you're going to do the movie, you you need to work with an actor. So yeah, are, I don't need. I wanted to. You wanted to. Okay. So are you not a fan of the quote unquote non actor thing? And if well, we that, can call them first time actors. First time, right? Because I I know that. Uh, Sam no, I am. I just, I am a fan. I'm a huge fan, and I think incredible talents are non-actors for sure. Um, I made a movie, and I had never, uh, well, maybe I'd acted like twice or something, and in a couple plays, and in a you know a few roles, small roles when I was a kid. But um, there were a lot of non-actors in that movie. No, it was more the fact that there were other people in the film who were going to be non-actors for sure, like Leafy's role. His character was 100% cast Leafy. So I thought that if I was going to play, I would like to have, you know, you know, play ball with both sides, a non-actor and an actor. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, how fun to work with somebody who's experienced. No, of yeah. course it's you know all so all level. I think it's important for all levels of experience to be kind of across the set. Yeah, I think it's important, especially when it's a short movie um, and there are only three characters. Yeah, yeah no, I, I mean think. it served me. It was like there was a purpose for me in the sense of I got to experiment more than than be a. 
can be um, limited because um, like sometimes I think it can be quite scary for non-actors because they forget that this is like acting and it's not real. And, and, you know, that kind of happened in the past. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It felt like with Peter, you guys were really able to play and experiment on a level that maybe you wouldn't with a first time actor. Yeah. 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 That's the, the spectrum of experience actually, I think, in a, in a strange way, I think this is a credit to Sam, unifies the movie in a way. I think it, it, it creates like a, a, there's like a dynamic. Uh, the cast feels very dynamic in the sense that there are, there is a lot of experience versus something that might seem like inexperience, but I think it all works in the whirlwind of the movie. Stell, I was curious, what, so I remember you got the script. What was your, what was your approach? Uh, what you remember? I got the script, and you asked, "What was my approach?" Yeah, what like what? Did, what did you do? What? How did you do this role? How did you do what you did? Because I didn't. I you know I pretty much you showed up on set and kind of did it. I didn't really do anything. With um. Well, I was thought about where this person came from and what her circumstances were, and. I tried to just think about it in every sense of, you know, where you have dramatic circumstance as well as, you know, everything has to come from a real place. So I had to put all of the pieces together before I approached it, you know, so you kind of have a guide. Hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but... (laughs) Yeah. You know, you you gotta you gotta do your homework well, to understand what it is to play a cop. You don't have to kill somebody, but you definitely gotta hang out with some cops and hang around in a in a in a precinct and see the way that they deal with some of their employees and you know the way they interact with society. And you gotta take from each one that you know speaks to you. Well, but Stella, so you but you were kind of. Um... You were the the impetus for the whole movie in general, right? Like you, that's kind of what Sam explained, right? Like you wanted to work with Sam. Sam wrote the script for you. No, 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 no. Stella had no. Or wanted to work with Eleanor. I don't know if Stella knows this. Stella, did you know this? That the whole reason this movie started is because Eleanor said to me, like you had mentioned in passing once to her that you that you were looking for a role. No, I didn't know that. But yeah. I'm a big fan of Eleanor Hendricks, the casting director, and she also like really was great at dealing with everybody on set and communicating at moments that I think Sam was maybe l- less good at communicating things because she wasn't telling you what to do, but in a certain way she kind of has a wonderful imagination and knows how to communicate with human beings. So, you know, that's not that's not a, let, a put down on you, Sam. I just think that she really helped you make your movie. A hundred percent. So, you know, whether or not she even suggested me, I mean, that's amazing. I don't know. I didn't know that. But there was no she's... script. Right. Eleanor mentioned and, and uh, so she said, write something for Stella. So I, I looked at your work and I, I, I saw this actor of, of immense capability. Um, and as you know, um I like fortunately like you know yeah sorry I won't interrupt no no please no 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 um yeah I saw this actor of just like a very wide capability and 
uh, that was difficult because I like things that challenge actors and I couldn't think of any way to challenge you because it seems like you can do anything. So I had this really bad idea that was just like, uh, it started with like a woman driving, like some cliche like that. And I brought it to Eleanor and she was like, that's bad. And I was like, cool. And she's like, why, why don't you make it in a jazz club? And that was that. And then I, and then I wrote it. Right. We, we, we can come, we can come back to, to let's get lost, but moving on from let's get lost little Stella, let's hear a little bit more about you. <laughs> okay. Well, you have to be more specific because the last thing I want to talk about is myself. Well, you said you, you had expressed to Elaine where you, you wanted to roll. And then this movie came to be, did this kind of fulfill maybe what you were looking for? Certainly at the time, but I think that's the actor's uh, illness is that you're never fulfilled. Right. You know, it's momentary and then you have the repercussions of it. But once it's done, it's done. Right. And then you kind of want the fix again. It's very much like a drug feeling because you're in it at that moment and you can't really like relive it, you know, unless you're insane. <laughs> and how long have you known Sam for? I've only known Sam for maybe, what, three years or something like that, but I've known Eleanor since I'm, like, 11 years old. Um, what, was, what was your introduction to Mr. Stillman? Um, I think Eleanor. We, we met very briefly on Bond Street. Oh, yeah. We met also... For, oh, yeah, we met for the first time through at an acting school from a guy called, a great master called Tony Greco, who teaches a class in the basement of, what the fuck is his name? Uh, the what theater on Bond Street? I forget the name of the theater. Oh no, we can't forget. It's, That's really um, sad, I can look it up. We're really dumb. Yeah, hold on. It's the theater on Bond Street and it's called, no, let me get it. It has a G, it starts with a G or a J, something. Gene. Gene Frankel. The Gene Frankel Theater. Yeah, I looked it up. Well, I remembered. <laughs> Once you said Gene. <laughs> yeah. It was like it begins with a G or a J. Yeah. Anyway, so that's where we met for the first time. And that's another, we can give another shout out, which we did last time as well, to the connector of the Constellation of Stars in New York City downtown film scene, Eleanor Hendricks. Yeah. Absolutely. And she makes a little, she makes a guest appearance on this pod, so. <laughs> Via speakerphone, yeah. which is very in, in line with her. Uh, but Stella, <laughs> what, um, personality. Stella, what was your first impression of Sam? Um, you can be honest. Guys, what are you doing? <laughs> no, no, it was like, he was like, um, hang on, somebody's calling, you gotta decline it. No, I thought he had a lot going on. Um, in his mind and that he seemed like you know because I was focused because in a different way because I was in a class so I was like you know you're reading material you have homework you have assignments you have to put on you have to perform you have to I mean perform he'd kill me for saying that but you have to um, get up and do uh, your work and uh, you have to ha rehearse with a partner at least four times a week. I mean, it's a very kind of strict, serious thing. It's not like, and there are rules and, you know, regulations to follow, which I'm not the greatest at, but I definitely respect that. 
Um, so I was much more thinking like, what is this guy talking to me about? You know, because he wasn't so completely clear on what he was talking about either. I mean, he had ideas and was interested and, and certainly was like positive about, uh, I think, what was it, my work or you'd seen You Won't Miss Me or you'd seen something else that I was in. I don't know. But basically, I was like, yeah, I don't know. When you when you when you when you have something to show me, great. I'd love to see it. But like, I'm going to go home now because class is also like five and a half hours long every day. And uh, it could be 10 hours because you're supposed to go to two classes a day, which are from 10 to one and then from five to like 10 o'clock at night. So I was just a little bit drained, I think, and maybe slightly irritable. Because I just need see, you know, there's a lot of information happening with like uh, a bunch of strangers, and you know, some people aren't the most willing to share. Yeah, and, and to, to that, uh, I'll ask you um, on set. What was there? Was there a challenge that you found yourself faced with, and how did you rectify that? Um, be it you know the the director actor dynamic or with the material, like what, 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 what challenges did you run into and, and how did you overcome them? Um, I guess what keeps on coming up in my head is what, well, we never had any playback. I mean, I couldn't really see anything in the screen. Not that that was a thing, but, you know, I have this issue with the movie because the sound and the fucking sound woman was so bad <laughs> that the sound is absolutely turned up, lost, not not good. And so when you're making a movie about music and the 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 the, the three characters in the movie constantly feel like they're screaming, I think that was a big challenge to go to ADR and redo the whole movie in ADR instead of taking the live performance from the first, you know, from, from the, from shooting, that was, I don't know if I did overcome that, but that really was disturbing when I, for, when I got the movie and listened to it. And this woman had her the volume on the mics and on her boom turned up to 11. Well, I take issue with that. We, we only have two ADR lines in, in, the, in the final cut because as challenging as it was for the sound designer, there was no way I was going to set about replacing what you guys did on the day. It was too- I know, but I, so that's my issue with the movie. Yeah. I think the sound is not very good and that really takes away from the film. Is that, is that something that you've experienced before? Like, are you are you attuned to, to sound? Uh, I, I, I'm crazy about sound. I'm sure the roots agree. Like, if, like, the sound is off in a theater, I, I go mentally ill. I'm very attuned to sound as a human being. Uh, like, I, you know, I listen to music at least five hours if I have that time in the day. You know, um, sounds in general can very much agitate or excite me. I'm very in tune with sound and recording. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I what you, was the rest of the question? Have, yeah. Have, I mean, have you listened to music I've never today? encountered that problem before on another movie set. No. Have you been no, listening I, to music today? Yeah, I have. What have you been listening to? I have been listening to Dinah Washington and I've been listening to a guy called 
Wede Harar Guzo, who is like an, uh, a master on the xylophone and the piano and the organ. And um, I don't know. It's pretty good. You listen, sure. you listen to podcasts? You listen to like vo- vocal, like these spoken word stuff? Like poetry or like... Yeah, any, anything that's just the human voice. Like, are you are you listening to people speaking during the day? I'm interested. Yeah, well, especially now since the riots are going on and the protests. Yeah. And um, I've been just watching way more news than I ever do, um, as well as just informing myself and reading as much as possible because, you know, I have certain opinions on the way things are actually effective and certainly didn't see the fucking national guard come out during the women's protest or during an anti-Trump protest. But since, you know, this country is not geared towards African-Americans or black people that, you know, we're using a sense of like extreme violence because they're not really welcome in this country. So yeah, very much so in tune with different people speaking right now about it and um, whether it's on like, you know, the news or Instagram or podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I love listening to poetry recorded as well, but that's not, I haven't been doing that recently. Like there's this recording of Sylvia Plath reading her poetry or, you know, people like people reading their work, John Ashbery. um, Big shouts to Sylvia Plath. Oh yeah, big shout out to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah. think I think it's an important time because you know we're we're co- we feel compromised and even recording at this moment. Um, but I think it is a good time to listen to people talking, and you know it's 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 up to different people to h- how to discern who you're going to listen to and what sort of information you're gonna take in. But I think ultimately, like listening to other people's thoughts and opinions, and and having some sort of empathy for opinions that either differ from yours or re-emphasize your own um, is a very important thing right now. I mean, obviously music is yes. is very therapeutic to listen to, but it is it is a good time to be listening. Yeah, listening. I mean, I, I, I don't take it that I know anything about... I mean, all, I, all you can do is listen at the moment. We gotta listen. Um... You know, irrespective of how great my education is, that's like kind of I can just apply my own mind to all the people that I know who are encountering real racism and how they want to activate themselves and 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 also create awareness because it's shocking how little awareness there is. Yeah, and does this does everything that's going on um, affect your uh, motivation to 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 continue what you do as an actress or or just even have any interest in in pushing different things that are important on a personal level forward like does it feel like uh, yeah that's a really good question yeah Yeah, that's a really good question because i find myself um actually not caring about look i was listening to okay so i was today i was listening to james baldwin um, this speech called the moral responsibility of the artist. And I was trying to find some courage to feel like making something, but, um, you know, it felt, it feels very self-centered in a way where my voice in that way might not be the most important. And of course, 
if somebody wrote something, I mean, I should be, I should, what I really should be doing is writing. And that's something I've always been doing. But then again, I just don't have all that much faith in uh, myself. And I think there are bigger, stronger voices out there. Right. I would, of course, like love to make a movie about, you know, and and the impact of what's going on. And hopefully we're going to see a lot more change. Right. It's definitely some, I feel like it's something most artists right now can relate to isn't feeling like what you're doing, maybe kind of, you know, what am I doing? Is this so important? Yeah, it's uh, like gratuitous crap. You're like, right. you know, but what the fuck do I have to say? On the other side of the perspective, <laughs> maybe it's more important than ever <clears throat> to keep right. art going, right? <clears throat> yeah, least, yeah. Yeah. If 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 the subject is is is, I think not that every if the subject is about humanity in any respect. Well, we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday. Yeah. <clears throat> Keeping the humanity of, of art is very important. And and Leafy, yeah. Leafy shared poem about that I thought was pretty poignant um, that he kind of spoke off the top of his head, which was about the importance of art and creating things that are inspiring or life-affirming in times like this. Um, and I think it's a good point that uh, what, what, the art, what the content of what you're expressing is probably more important now than ever and you have to be really conscious of what you're choosing to you know translate and have people digest right but that's not to say everybody should be writing you know something related to race especially if they're a white person i mean it's not to say like you have to be overtly writing this stuff but writing or continuing to create and and kind of tapping into the humanity of whatever it is you're creating is definitely important but you know write what you know yeah, Definitely. I haven't seen anything recently. Have you? Um, as far as movies go. Yeah, as far as movies. Um, no, I'm I'm sort of going back into into older older things now. It's it's difficult to find something that's <laughs> that's new newly released that I can I can feel good about watching. Honestly. Yeah, I did watch like maybe two months ago at the beginning of this COVID. Um, um, Bundarchuk's War and Peace uh, s- series that was made in the 60s. Uh, that's excellent. What is, can you repeat the title? Yeah, the dire- it's, it's War and Peace, the mm-hmm. Tolstoy novel yep. um, by the director Bundarchuk, mm-hmm. who's Russian, and it was made in the USSR in the late 60s. Great. I, it's really good. It's a mini series, you know, like I think it's like a, a seven seven parts and it's an hour each or an hour and 20 minutes each. It's funny cuz I oh sorry, continue. No, no, it's no, that's it. I just watched the Seinfeld episode about War and Peace. Oh, really? That's really funny. <laughs> that's what I've been watching. <laughs> yeah. I do love him. Sam, have you been watching anything? Yeah. What have you been watching? I've been watching Frank Capra movies. Okay. Well, that's poignant. Yeah. Big shouts to Frank Capra and his politics. And uh, <laughs> I'll say, yeah, keep, stay watching, stay listening. If watching, listening, that's what will keep you tapped into humanity when you feel like the world is ending. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, also, you're right about that because then I was kind of um, 
I was spending some time with somebody who's like a huge, really involved in, in politics and Marxism and he's incredibly well read and like has all these kind of theories and statistics and facts. And I, I just felt, and I'd never been exposed to that, you know, wasn't something I, I, you know, in a, in a real way, uh, like lean towards, um, you know, I mean, not in this, not, not, not comparatively at least, you know, so when I'm around right. an expert, I'm really feel like an idiot. And so I ask lots of questions. Um, but I felt really drained from hearing about the government and totally not this, you know, not this one per se, but like even just this kind of, you know, thinking, oof. And I was like, God, it's like, uh, cause then of course I'm like around a lot more artists. And I say, of course, but, you know, it's just the nature of my beast. And I was like, oh, God, I can't stand hearing this one talk anymore or that one talk about what they're making and what they're doing. And, you know, yeah. so it's always like this fine line of, of of mixing the two and especially now. But I was feeling really exhausted every morning having to hear about politics. I was like, no, totally. No, that's why I'm, I'm totally dead ass talking about like, like I've been watching like sitcoms and comedy because I, that like, it kind of makes it like makes me feel more human. And it's mm -hmm. important to feel human, especially if you want to, you know, if you're in like a politically active period and you want to get involved and you want to feel like you can, uh, if you want to stay angry and you want to, you know, kind of keep the path of, of wanting to make change or, or be involved or whatever, it's like, you have to maintain your kind of grounding in your own sense of self and humanity. So do that in in whatever way you can. And I think for most people, especially listening to this podcast, the best way to do that would be to like watch or listen to your favorite shit and Feel, yeah. feel from it and feel human you from say it. say that, but I just started playing harmonica a little bit and you muted me, so. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't yeah. hear that either. You're fucking up the audio track, Sam. I'm calling you out. <laughs> because you make, record, it's because you make our lives a living hell when you do like, Dude, have I, Sam, people I was, shouting I over each I other and playing until, harmonica. I stayed up until like 8 a.m. editing the shit from, from yesterday. <laughs> There, yeah, it, it well, there you so go. Much my, my point completely. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I think one of our big messages is definitely to uh, look after yourself and operate from a good place when you decide to 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 get angry and and try and enact change. And sometimes uh, the things you watch or the things you listen to can actually end up. Uh, being more caustic, like if you do spend all day watching CNN, there there can be sort of like a, a backward effect in in how definitely it'll make it you feel it'll make you feel like numb, and you'll start to get such an overload of information that you might actually kind of feel less from it. So even if you kind of feel consciously or subconsciously that kind of watching your favorite movies or listening to your favorite music or kind of doing not kind of being fully consumed by the news right now is irresponsible or something. It's actually not because I'd say it's actually very responsible to stay in touch with yourself and your humanity. And that's how you're going to actually, you know, kind of take these messages more to heart and not just be totally numbed by them. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Um, I don't know if that makes one numbed by them. It's just maybe all consuming. Yeah, all-consuming all is a good way of putting it. 
You know or, what I uh, mean? Maybe, like, maybe it's easy to get kind of more nihilistic the more you kind of just read, uh, read news and the like. And, and I personally feel way less nihilistic once I take a step back and just like listen or watch to something or watch something that I like. It makes me feel human and optimistic again. And I know that's yeah. something that's important to Sam. As no, a, as I think a, you're right. Yeah. Um, Very right. As so, an advocate yeah. for humanity, Sam Stillman I, and the, the cast of Let's Get Lost, Stella Schnabel, everybody involved, uh, I think humanity ultimately is something that reigns supreme. And I think that's a good message to uh, advocate for at this time while recording this podcast. I can feel meaningless, but maybe, hopefully, it can brighten someone's day yeah i mean stella said she was doing what she was she was listening to to dinah washington she was listening to to james, james baldwin you know these are uh when she was listening to obama obama is one of the greatest writers of the last 20 years um you know there the history of the world is the history of art there's there's no yeah. difference there's no line there it's one thing it was a like a society not to get like super hyperbolic but i actually don't think it is a society wouldn't survive without art so it's essentially just it's as as integral to society as any kind of job you know there's no difference yeah the, I agree. Right. the constitution is a piece of writing it's poetry you know the james baldwin is an artist yeah 100 percent yeah well, big, so big, Mm, hmm. That's a complicated thing to say. Uh, I mean, it's just like saying anyone's an artist, which I just don't think is true. Well, I think everyone thinks of a very, very, very creative reason to get out of bed in the morning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say calling James Baldwin an artist is, is a particularly oh. subversive thing to say, though. No, I didn't. I wasn't regarding that. Right. I wasn't, I was saying what he said about um, history and art. And I agree with you that society, whatever that means, uh, I mean, humanity can exist without it. And well, I think there, there's going to, if you plant some grass, there's going to be a couple of green blades, a couple of brown blades, a couple of yellow blades, and they're all personifying something different. And that happens with human beings. My favorite uh, thing yes, is yes. someone said, uh, who, who was the president of Spain when Picasso painted Guernica? Right. Who gives a shit? No one knows. <laughs> who was the prime well, minister of England when the Beatles released Please Please Me? I think Macmillan, Harold Macmillan. Oh, well, all right. So, <laughs> also, <laughs> I definitely don't. That's, that's I know, but that's like some that. stupid artist comment. Like, I totally don't <laughs> want to be part of that. Like, And actually, you do know who was. You're telling me you don't know why the Guernica, then you have no understanding what the Guernica painting means if you well, don't know. Who yeah, it's a very political painting. That's That's true. But the painting to me is more important than the politics of it, which might not be completely valid or or you're saying that 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 painting is the most important artifact of that time or one of the more meaningful artifacts of that time kind of politically then i mean you do know sam that franco was the president i can't imagine you don't i know that franco is the president but i think i only know it because of guernica Fine. Well, if well, the art's that, informing you about the, you know, politics, that's fine. But well, I mean, go back look, a little bit. Like, who was the president um, of, I don't know, Florence 
when okay so dying slave by michelangelo was painted for a uh, was was sculpted for the the tomb of a pope what was that pope's name that's extremely specific but i'll tell you i'm not that person to know the that answer but i i know at least 10 guys in italy who would yes and and my friend that i've been seeing a lot of would probably know the answer because he's like but, but I think the vast majority of culture will know Michelangelo before they know whoever the Pope was. Yeah, well, yeah it's not usually the subject, really. It's like the person who made it, if they can actually convey something about well, the subject okay, I think or I, the story. Exactly. I think well, I'm understanding. So I think what we're really saying here is that like, art is the, the undying thing that will carry kind of lessons and and the, the uh, whatever feeling is in this zeitgeist at the time like will be carried through history via art right yeah i'm saying? saying this in reference to the feeling that art of artists feeling irresponsible for doing what they do in this right. time they should actually right. feel responsible to do what they exactly do. right I think exactly i i agree with and that if they don't if, the, if there is a feeling of guilt they should ex- really examine why that is because i, I think if, if if you're really in the arena which is a, an arena that stands many 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 thousands of years there's nothing to feel guilty about. Right. Right. I, th- I think it's really, you have to operate from where you're best equipped to help. And if, and if you, and if you fancy yourself an artist, then maybe that's the best way for you to, yeah. to push forward. Make but word. it doesn't mean it. everybody should make art about it. There are people who are more equipped to do things that are more specifically political or, or <laughs> be an activist in, in, in some other arena but the, the point is to kind of to know yourself and to know how you're you're best suited to you know helping out uh the causes that you believe in in a given time period right like 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 okay so and i'm not going to call this podcast art but but okay hear me out so like the past two days i've obviously just been you know on social media and on reading the news and as much as everyone else is and feeling really kind of like angry and nihilistic and just kind of like what the fuck uh yes and then all last night i kind of took a step back to spend hours and hours editing this podcast and i uh i wasn't even th- i you know it was for the first time in days i it, it kind of left the front of my mind for a second to just kind of be kind of physically working and like making something uh, and even if it's not necessarily my art, it was just editing a podcast. It's still like I started bringing something into reality by kind of working that part of my brain. Right. So, and then at the end of it, yeah. I felt way better and more optimistic about everything than I had in, yeah, like, in like not Like the knowledge that you were gaining was giving you less worry and confusion exactly it just put me back in touch with my being a person in this world and if if there's anything that's going to help one enact change and get involved it's feeling like they're a part of it feeling like they're a human who's a part of this with every with all the other humans right so yeah and, and, and don't get it twisted man they used to kill us for this they used to absolutely fucking kill us for this there there's a poem called the, the Way of Things by Lucretius, who was a poet in like 45 AD. And, and, uh, and the, the only reason I know that name is because in the dark ages, there were monks who would copy down this poem by hand, by candlelight, right. and that's all they would do. And if they were found doing it, they would be tied to a stick and that stick would be lit on fire and they would be burned until they were dead. So the, the stuff we're doing now is inherently radical. 
Yeah. Love, love uh, like, and, 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 and attesting to the dignity of the human individual. However you do it, whether protesting or making things, is inherently radical, and they would they would kill you for this. Right. And just disclaimer, yeah, I'm like, you know, post away about this stuff. Get involved, sign, donate, protest for sure. But I would encourage everyone to do like whether it's making something it. or yes, watching or listening or whatever. Like, take some time to re feel yourself as a human being, and that will actually make all the other work that you feel is kind of concretely important that you're doing. I totally agree with you. I am yeah. two or one. <laughs> no, I really do. I, yeah. I think that's like the manifestation of spirit, you know, Definitely. like even Definitely. sitting in a, sitting in a room and, and meditating actually has an effect on the way you will conduct yourself, right. whether you want to call it doing nothing and sitting there, like trying to blank out whatever definitions we try to give things, Spending time to, because one is curious, it has to come from the one's own desire. You and know, sometimes I, I think that that definitely has an effect on the way things change inside of you, like metaphysically. You know, totally. But sometimes there are structures that that divide the human individual from themselves and their potential, their ability to to create. Um, and yeah. when these structures are in place, they're doomed. They, they will be destroyed. Um, you know, you plant a tree and you plant a, and you and you make a sidewalk, that tree will break that sidewalk. And so right now what we're seeing is people uh, and and it's it's too much to even talk about. But the people that are being murdered by these structures, those structures are being destroyed in the streets right now. And so and and so people who aren't given the opportunity to fulfill their potential will. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's it. What, what do you think, Ions? <laughs> I'm, I'm, feel, I'm feeling good about the way the uh, the conversation developed. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, this is what I was. This is, I, I and I think this is a really important thing to talk about because, yeah, I do. I, right. Yeah. Maybe I'm just kind of repeating myself at this well, point, but I think it's you know. Yeah. I don't know. I maybe you'd even feel bad for even listening to a podcast right now because it's not uh it's not doesn't seem like something that's overtly you know helping or whatever uh, but i would say doing what you can to tap into your own humanity is helping and i some, agree yes. something so, like I mean, a just like an eye for an eye you know makes mm. the whole world blind right yeah I but sometimes I, pops keep you from doing that in which case I mean, I hate destruction. I, I hate riots, but they're necessary. And and right now they're necessary. And so yeah. if something's in the way of, of, of keeping you from doing what you're born to do, burn it down. No yeah, I, you know, go go protest. I I'm absolutely I'm just saying like remember who you are because that will help you protest and get involved in more effectively. I agree. Oper uh, operate from an ionic place, and an ion an ion is a positively charged particle. Right, I, like I think, I think. There in, you go. That's <laughs> what I was. Thinking yeah, I, well, I think you don't have to take the negative. Like I think Sam's description makes it very negative, and whether or not it's like rioting or writing something out of like the birth of a child, or because you know your ninety eight year old mother died. Well, she was ninety eight. 
you know, the one thing we do know is that we're all going to die, you know? <laughs> so like horrible things happen and great things come out of them. Yes. You know, and what it doesn't have to man. be, yeah. I mean, of course, in this situation, I understand wh- why you're giving that example, Sam, but, uh, you know, I don't think it has to be also so, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Negative. Most important. Yeah, I mean, technically, I, what I just said isn't is is like sedition or some shit. I think there's a law against that. Uh, I think you have to stay empathetic, and people realize that. And I think the kind of natural inclination that one would have, oh, how can I be more empathetic? Oh, don't think about myself. Kind of go out and get involved with things larger than myself. And that's true, but there's like there's a step missing in that yes. line of thought. And before you can get there, get more in touch with yourself as a human being. Because the more that's like the process, you even like to be really self-involved right now, and then make it go 360. Like you asked me about preparation. I think with any acting job, like okay, I don't know anything about this. What the fuck do I know about being black or racism? I've never had anything like that be approached to me. You know, right? So. There I am, you know, reading whatever I can or going to a protest, but I had to do some homework before I went to that protest. So you're going to wave a fucking sign around? Yeah, I understand that, like, a lot of people have died for hundreds of years. This city was built on that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. The the more empathetic you are, (laughs) one is, we all are, the more uh, positive the outcome of any kind of uh protest or call for change will be and a vital part of being empathetic is is kind of going more inside of yourself right if i spend some time going more inside of myself then if i'm out protesting alongside other people i if i'm in touch with myself and then look at all these other people as it's going to be a lot more peers and and my look at them right exactly yeah i'm going to feel their humanity more because i've felt my own humanity more Exactly. You see, see, that's why anyone can act. Because if you're intelligent in that way, that you just, which is just like a a human instinct, is it not? Yeah, Yeah. totally. You just said that because you feel that, because you understand that. Feel it. You have a feeling. You know, there's some people who have no feeling, and it makes them exact. You know, perfectly the good example of like being a great politician and a really bad actor. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no. I, I think mean, you said exactly something really right. beautiful there yeah i think we got to keep it emotional like because anyone can form any any fucking opinion that they want i don't really want to know what you think i want to know what you feel and if and if it, you you can think that oh there's a race problem in this country or blah blah what do you feel about it because what you feel about it is hard there are people being murdered that's not that's not an intellectual discussion that's an that's an emotional one yeah and like I, yeah, I mean, I, like, good art is empathetic, you know. If you write, yes. if you write a a heartbreak song, right, it's about your own heartbreak. You'd think that's selfish, but no. The, that, like, the reason a good song coming from a personal experience works is yeah, you because, have a personal dialogue with it. Yeah, exactly. It it's, makes it's, you feel familiar. It makes you feel like it was written for you. Yeah, and it's, it's, I think that's with any, as you said, any any art that's great will make you have a personal dialogue with it. 
Right. And whether or not you're understanding what the artist's message is, I don't think that's always the most important. Like, I mean, I certainly know I've looked at many paintings. I don't know what the fuck the artist was talking about, but it spoke to me and it meant something to me. And I had a personal dialogue with it. Yes. You know, there was an exchange yep. that altered the way I felt before I looked at it and after. Right. You know, as, as you know, it changed me. And it made me aware of something, and it taught me something. Yeah, yeah and that and that change and that that transformation is incredibly powerful in, in a spiritual, and then also a global sort of way. It, it, it all it all radiates off of each other. Yeah, there you go. Well, I would like I'd like to meet both of you. <laughs> maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe you have. have. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, but I'm good with recognizing. Maybe I have. I guess I have. Well, I'll our vo- our voices will be pitched down once this comes out. So. Right, but I'm hearing you right now, and I'm trying to detect who who is, but I just don't. One well, of you sounds the second you. Our voices will be pitched down, but I don't know. <laughs> well, thank you, um, thank you for well, talking we'll, to we, us. We'll so. meet again. We'll meet again. This was really, like, great. I'm really great that we, like, got there. Yeah, this was, this was really great. I think it was I mean, important. Well, what you're saying about the effects of doing something because you never know, right? Until you do them. Like you, you're not going to ever risk having that change if you don't try. So instead, like yesterday, my girlfriend, this, you know, really intelligent, lovely white Jewish girl was questioning whether she should go to the protest. And I asked her, you know, like Wayne Gretzky said, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Like, why would you not go? You know, like yes. as long as you're not going to, you know, get involved in the complete mess of it all. If you don't want to, then you don't have to. But you can go and be part of it. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I and mean, you have to try. So sometimes I guess I feel a little pathetic when I'm not trying as hard as I should be. Because Yeah. And also, maybe this is a whole other, you know, potential rabbit hole, but in a kind of the zeitgeist of social media solidarity, I do think you're losing a lot of going inward and that going inward is the small step that's missing to be like kind of an effective protester and an actor of change and artist. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, well, both of you and Sam. Yeah. Thank thanks Stella, Stella for coming. I'm glad we finally so had this happen. I'm actually glad it happened this way instead of you coming in the, in the chaotic one yesterday. <laughs> well, we could have a more concise, specific, I mean, already it was all over the place, but right. I think you can only have so many people on the phone right. to have a thread and make like uh, an idea of seem like there's a, you know, culminated into something, not just a bunch of people throwing a million thoughts out there that, Oh God, well, that was interesting, but I wish they had touched on this other thing a bit more because I really lost what they were saying. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I think we um, made a small a small step forward, even if it's just for ourselves. But hopefully, for it can be for other people as well to to get that missing step. Well, you encouraged me to continue, so I really do appreciate that because I'm kind of was like God. I don't yeah. really know exactly, but I definitely know that I think children need to be educated, and I know I wasn't taught and went to the best fucking high school in the nation, and. I never heard about racism. First of all, I 
all my friends were black, so I'd never even thought about racism, but I know it was going on. And I remember the first time that I, you know, actually realized it because my best friend and I were in a deli and whatever happened, happened. But like children need to be educated. They need to know what white privilege is and they need to know what racism is. You know, I, and, I think I think the conversation you know, is, is, is definitely shifting about how we're educated about this stuff, certainly since, you know, we were all young. But uh, but yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I don't want people to know about it. I don't want people to know the statistics. I want them to be able to feel it. And if they have to enter it intellectually, that's fine. But 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 why? Whatever way, whatever way that makes them understand. Whether it's feeling it, if you understand it, then and you have a relationship to it, then you usually feel it. But for you to start telling people how they should, you know, understand it, I think is really not cool. No, I, I, I but it is important to be emotional I about it. Hate how people understand things. Like I, you know, I mean, I know that there's a mathematician out there who understands things because he looks at numbers and sees a whole fucking world that I don't understand. Exactly. How am I going to judge the way that he understands it? Right. I mean, geez, like, or I had a teacher that I loved that everybody else hated. Yeah, you know, it's, I don't it's, think it's, that's like a really great thing to say. I think it's kind of a fucked up thing to say. How should you dictate the way somebody interprets something? You know whether and w whether they're feeling it or not. What does that mean? Uh, I, well, you, okay. Well, what I'm reading from that, and I do think there's something to this, is that <laughs> it's important to stay emotional about stuff. Like I was thinking about this because I refused to watch the video, and I understand like of George Floyd, and I understand why it's going around, and I'm glad the video exists, obviously. Yes. For legal purposes. But you have choice but, to watch it or not. I'm but, not saying you have to watch it. I think. Like, it's good that I'm disturbed by it. Like, we should all be disturbed by it. We should all not want to watch it. Like, if we all watch these videos too much, I feel like I, it runs the risk of it, like this kind of internet desensitizing thing. And I like, we should be disturbed by it and shocked by it. It should not be something we just like are okay with, with, with watching. Jeff goes without saying we're not mass murderers and we have emotions and cognitive dissonance and, you know, that we like can <laughs> usually you see somebody getting hurt and we don't particularly like it, you know. But yeah. if we do hear a car screeching, we usually turn our heads to look. Right. Yeah. But I, so there is that horrible I, hum thing in humanity that we want to see horrible things. Doesn't mean that we like particularly enjoy it like some sadists do. Right. But me thinking about, I, I don't know. I like me watching that would just kind of shock me to a point that I don't think is <laughs> is would be productive yeah. in my staying angry at all. I think it would just make me feel really like fucked up and Sick. and like insane. I like I think. I'm I not taking it away from you. The, see, right. to me, you don't have to watch the video to know and to feel what I have, what I know and what I feel having watched it. Yeah. Right, I, I, I agree. That's what I'm saying. It. Yeah. That's because I have a certain level of whatever it is. It's not taking away that you do or don't. It's just like I don't, you know, underestimate the power that the fact that it happened is enough for you to take that into your full consideration. Exactly. I like, I would say like, I feel, cause I feel like it's easy. Maybe I'm just projecting, but I feel like it's easy to think you're not being responsible just kind of as a person in America, not watching it and kind of fully engaging with it. But I would actually say the opposite. Like 
if you are too, if you find it too disturbing to watch, that's good. Use that. That's what can make you stay angry and get involved, you know? Yeah. And write something if you're, yeah. so, you know, write something from it or whatever it is. I completely agree with you. Yeah. You know, but I think, like, you uh, know, uh, people digest things differently. Yeah. I think Stella, what you said is really important is that, and it's, it's really just that everyone has their own sort of journey to uh, understanding and feeling an emotion. I think just probably the important thing is to not, not be ignorant. And I think that people know that at least at the very least uh, that it's, this is not the time to, to shove things away. And whether you do watch something and get angry or just get angry about the fact that it exists at all, everybody has that their own journey to, how how they can how they can best help and process whatever they're feeling about what's going on. Yes. Or said. Yeah. Huh? I just said or sad. Or sad. Yeah. It yeah. Just, whatever whatever process it is, but yeah, not to be ignorant. Yeah, and yeah, be empathetic. Get in touch with your own humanity. Go inward, and like really go inward, not in a performative way. That's another thing. Uh, it, the more in touch with the humanity, the more empathetic you are, the more useful you can be as part of this kind of, uh, you know, apparatus that's going against the machine. Right. Yeah, operate from, operate from your best spiritual and emotional place. Yeah, I completely agree with you. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you have to walk up a really cold mountain and not sit in like the comfort of like uh, a meditation room and I'm going to definitely feel a lot more from walking up that cold mountain than sitting in this you know meditation room with like a guide and god knows what right. yeah no I, you know maybe some people get more in touch with their humanity out in the streets yeah absolutely and being on yeah totally but 100%. don't don't lose your, your self identity because that's actually your strongest asset yeah, well, exactly. Um, even as an actor. Yeah. Even as an actor, director, artist, politician. Yeah, activist. artist, director, actor, anyone. I mean, any artist. Stay emotion. Big shouts to emotions. They're big shout big shout outs to big emotions. Shout out Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Please erase anything stupid in most of the conversations. <laughs> no, I, this sure was I great. Really this was dumb, great. But there were some good moments. There were some 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 high points. For sure. No, and this is, we we talk about this in the beginning of the one yesterday. We're like, because Leafy's asking what a podcast is, and and we're like, it's people formulating their thoughts as they come. Right. Uh, which is actually yeah, well, really interesting you, to hear. It's interesting to hear the kind of way you arrive at thoughts instead of just the good thoughts. I think that's, there's something useful in that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Stella, three. thank you. Sam Stillman. The movie's uh, Let's hey. Get Lost. Wait, where is it uh, playing next week? Maryland Film Festival. Maryland Film uh, Festival. Uh, online. So when this comes out, it'll probably be on Maryland Film Festival's website. Yeah. So watch it there. Stella Schnabel, Sam Stillman, big shouts. Thank you. Thank you. Speak to you again, I hope. Yes. Absolutely. Bye, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so now we're going back in time to the previous day with Sam, Andre, Leafy, and Sean. Make of it what you will. Enjoy. Really... I'm, I'm going to be out. This one's on you. <laughs>
Are you serious? <laughs> don't don't do that to me. I would delete the account if you did that. I'm not gonna talk about the movie. <laughs> I'm not. I'm gonna you're, you're, watch what happens. I'm gonna be silent the entire time and try to change the subject. Do, do you have like any good questions? Like not related to the movie, just like any good questions? Not a single. Yeah. I mean, Sam's going to kind of probably lead the show, right? He's the director. And he's, well, no, the reason Sam will be good for this is because he's a great actor. True. And a great talker. Like, he knows that this is one of his strengths, which is why he bullied us into doing it. I don't know if he's a great talker. He can talk. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's in the waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I always do that? I know, it's so funny. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, oh shit. He's always <laughs> in the waiting room. <laughs> I'm admitting him. He's joining. I know, maybe like, oh, he's here. Because <laughs> I don't like people waiting. It makes me feel bad for some reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like sad. It's like a waiting room. It's such a sad vibe. I really don't know what you mean because I'm more empathetic than you. That's definitely not true. Oh, it's 100% true. Wait, it still says Sam Sulman joining, so I'm just going to admit Andre. Andre's really the first to join. Oh, wow, yeah. Sam went away. It definitely is like computers, like, doesn't work. I'm going to admit Andre. I'm admitting him. <laughs> Some, like, club. <laughs> <laughs> Drezilla! Put that audio on. What up? Yo. Dre motherfucker. I am Bach. I am Pack. <laughs> Whole squad is There he in. is. <laughs> oh, wait, here, here comes Sammy boy. Oh. Is this Sam? Oh, my God. What? He's like logging in from a different account? What is he doing? Oh, Leafy. <laughs> Hello? Oh, can't, hear you. can't hear you, Sammy. Sam, turn your audio on. Sam, audio and video. Bro, Sam, your audio is not on. Come on, Sam. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. We're on the radio. I don't know what that means. We're on the radio. You're live. I unpack. Y'all are live. Welcome. We're broadcasting live. Can you explain what we're doing to Leafy Windjagon? We're talking about your movie. Yeah, but what, what's a podcast? A podcast is a conversation of people who don't really know what to talk about, but you slowly hear them formulate ideas over the course of an hour. Well, wow. I feel simplified, okay? Because I'm under a lot of stress right now. Like, well, no, that's the thing. It's like radio, except it's devolved to the point where none of the rules of radio matter. It's just people talking. Other people are hearing us right now, not just us. No, they're not hearing it right now, but later on, IonPack is going to post this and people will hear all of this. And they're going to think I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. All right, yeah. we, have, we have Lizzie Harper about to enter the building. Who is who is Lizzie? Hey, happy new year. How is your, how you been? We've been good. Let's, let's uh, once this person enters... Who is Lizzie Harper? I think it, maybe it's... Is it going to be Sean? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Sean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it is Sean. Oh. Big homie about to step in. <laughs> yo, yo. Sean Price Williams, ladies and germs. 
Sam, hey, Sam, why don't, why don't you Google okay, Directors yeah. Roundtable and I'm introduce on. everybody since this is a pretty decent group now. All right, we got people Lizzie, coming in. I got right. people texting me trying to figure out this this stupid app. Um, on the on the mic, we got uh, myself. We have Leafy Windragon. Say hi, Leafy. They're also they're not going to see the video, so they're only going to use the audio. This. We're still trying to figure out what what a podcast is. We got Sean Price Williams uh, calling in from London, I believe. We got Andre Bojanik who produced the movie. We're allowed to curse, right? There's no yeah. rules. There's no rules. There's no, yeah, rules. no rules. Don't say that. <laughs> I, I I do have a question for all of you though. How do you guys how do you guys feel about premiering this movie on the internet? Andre, did you have any thoughts about that? I mean. I, I I love it. It's great. It's like the only way to do it for a short film. Where else? Are, what else are you gonna do with a short film? We still haven't even said what the name of the movie is. Let's like tell. The, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's start it off. Yeah, I I feel like we're still in the warm up phase here. Let's tell everyone what the movie is and uh, where it's premiering and why we're talking about it. The name of the movie. Yeah. The name of the movie is Let's Get Lost. Uh, it's starring Stella Schnabel, Peter Green, Eloisa Santos, and the great Leafy Windragon. It was filmed by Sean Price Williams and Hunter Zimney, uh, cast by Eleanor Hendricks, produced by Andre Bojanik. And directed by and Simone Sam Films. Stillman. And, and directed by me. Yo, I actually have to admit, even I'm amazed I memorized that shit in less than 24 hours. Can, can we talk about that? Or yes. Is it still too early? No, so no Leafy was cast in this movie Two days before filming. The Christmas day, Eve. Christmas oh, Eve. I, I didn't even know about this. I asked Elena, hey, what are you doing on Christmas Eve? She said she was going to, um, um what was the Christmas? Uh, we went to church. Yeah, we went to church. We went you to know? church. I, 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 That's how we cast Leafy. Two days before Elena said Leafy's playing the role, I said, okay. It was in church with Elena and her family listening to the organ music. I, I think and, it was because I was so well behaved. And he memorized the whole script in two days and then made it better. Sam, we're gonna probably use the clip of uh, of you and Peter. Do you want to make a comment about this incredible video clip of you and Peter? Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't know that this was taken. Uh, Peter Green, um, he was we. I've been in the role for a friend named Raymond Salomon, but Stella said, "Hey, if I'm gonna work uh, on this movie, I'm gonna work with actors." So I said, "Okay, yeah, bet that makes sense." So uh, with Peter. Um, Actually, uh, we were looking at some really wonderful actors, but it was it was sort of difficult to to cast them. And then, um, then uh, then Stella's brother uh, Olmo uh, suggested uh, Peter Green, and me and Eleanor spent a whole night on Instagram looking at Peter Green. We're, and we had no idea how to get him. We had to go through uh, through through Is Necro. Yeah, Peter Peter showed up. And uh, it was like uh, it was like um, a wild motorcycle had come in the room. He was completely responsive to slightest touch anything. There was one scene where I couldn't stop staring at the back of his neck. Uh, he's just one of the most gripping actors I've ever worked with. Um, but yeah, like every actor who comes in, they come in a, a full artist with with full humanity and, and we, fun and fun, and we try and fit it into a very small context. And sometimes there's some friction. Yeah. Um, fitting these huge artists into a very limited context keep... of this of this little movie, yeah, and so I think this recording uh, reflects that. Also, I've studied this recording since then, and I could have done a lot better. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll I'll play it right now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, listen to the routine. No, that's not light, bro. Okay. You know, listen, I I understand they had a fight, okay? You've shown it numerous times, bro. There's got to be a, you know, they got to be, bro, there has to be, I forget, I don't know what they were looking for, but you can't keep this up every page. Okay, they had their fight. He doesn't have to say, you know, why, why is he saying it like that? Why'd you listen, listen, listen? Why is he constantly on her? Let's do what you want. Let's do you know, it. Let me just watch it. You're not, you're not. You, you, no, I know what you're, you're saying. I know what you're saying. But that's because this movie is like that. There's a pressure on Ozzy, and that's why she has to go on this adventure. I, I understand. The pressure's that, not but, just but you. There's, there's another scene with Maxine. Okay, I understand that. But you're keeping me in there, just stoking the fire all the time. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel real at all. Okay, we just went through. We just we haven't shot the thing outside. Mm -hmm. Okay, I mean it's that's all, that's all one scene. So let's do um. Uh, so let's do this you know however you, you want. You don't you don't try to hear somebody else. I noticed that. All right. Because I know. I, I know I what know, you're saying. I, I'm, no, I'm you with you. No, you know, no, no. Okay, whatever. All right, let's just do it. Okay. Uh, okay, for context, that's Peter Green and Sam Stillman having a little argument on set. All right, Sam, you want to talk about that? What Peter was saying is that it was one note, that the, in the script, they're just arguing the whole time, and it's boring, and it's not particularly human. And he was absolutely right. Um, uh, a lot of what, what him and Stella did, I hope Stella comes in, a lot of what, what, what he and Stella did um, was improvised. Uh, it was definitely in the direction of the script, but what I had on the page was really one note. And what they brought to it is now there's this whole movie behind the movie of this uh, impossible love story between a, a jazz owner and a jazz club owner and a trumpet player. And, and they brought that 100%. Yeah, I, mean, um, they, I wanted to say that I think that even, even with this Zoom call, you cultivate a very uh, chaotic and, and talkative uh world to exist in and i just wanted to hear from everybody how they experienced that chaos on set there was chaos on set i didn't notice <laughs> here sean let's hear what sean has this, to say about this yeah uh, this is very this is, this is certainly in, in the tradition of uh sam's set i would say but i mean we don't even have peter who wasn't you know he would pop his head in and do some acting and arguing and then be gone and we'd be wondering where he was and so there was that kind of chaos. Stella, yeah, sure, she brought a little weight to it. Um, but, you know, Sam, yeah, Sam managed more than anything else. And, and I was impressed the whole time. I said, yeah, he's a filmmaker. You know, he was a dad. He was a dad, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, he managed me. I, I, of course, brought my own chaos by not even being there the first day and a half or two days, I guess is what it was. I don't know. But I felt like... I wasn't there because I felt like Sam was bullying me into doing the movie, and I had to prove a point. <laughs> oh, please! Also, All right, let's let's. Also, knew, can we hear some more about that? Also, I knew that Hunter would do a great job, and and it was especially the one night. It was stuff that was like a nightmare to me to do. Be out there in the cold in Lincoln Center, like hiding from security guards, shooting in the subway. I'm like, dude, hey, I've that, been doing this. That security guard night. And I thought I would get it anyway, because I'm big. Yeah, yeah. Sean definitely graduated from that. So I always feel after I film at a location, when I see it later, that I own it. I feel like I have an ownership of it. Um, Lincoln Center, I don't feel that way. Lincoln Center is, is, is unownable. It's 
right, all right. I'm gonna try. All right, let's rein in the chaos here. Let's try to let's just let's do some context for the Packers listening. Okay, Sam, talk about um, Sam, talk a little bit Sam. about getting this movie ready. Then we're going to talk about Sean getting involved and Andre getting involved. Well, I can't even talk about it with, without Stella. I mean, okay, yeah, we'll wait. We'll wait for see if Stella gets in here for for some more Stella conversation. I feel bad. Yeah, there's no, there's no. There's All right, but I want to hear more from Sean about uh, Sam bullying you into doing. Me It's been a couple of years. This, you know, I mean, different projects and. Uh, uh, just kind of bad timing. He always catches me when I'm like in a bad mood or something, and or he comes to the bar, you know, that we're at, and you know, like when I just want to be hanging out and he's trying to like pitch me things, gives me presents, gave me the book, gave me the which um, stranded in Canton, the William Eggleston book and DVD. He's these gifts, and I was like, you know. And I'm supportive. I want to be supportive because I think that he's, you know, going to do something interesting. And then he was doing interesting stuff with his Romeo and Juliet movie, you know, with Hunter, with Jace, with other people, whatever. And uh, I kind of just wanted to watch instead of really be a part of it, I guess. And <laughs> not for you know, I just wanted to be a pal. Right. And then, and, but then it got, you know, and I also just didn't think that I was going to bring much to it. That's all. And And, but, you know. It was aggressive. I, well, you come into my house, things like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> a lot, you know. It, it helps when there's a It helps when there's a Do you remember the night you agreed? What? Do you remember the night you agreed? It wasn't like I really agreed. It was kind of an agreement. It was, you know. Yeah, it was I don't remember now. This was FJ song movies at Anthology. Yeah. And then you oh, had yeah. to go to a party, and I followed you on the subway to the party. Exactly. Exactly. I left my, my gaffer's wedding to, to do a Q&A for a movie. You know, Sam is there waiting for me, like jumping on me. And I'm like, I got to get back to this wedding, man. I got to get back to this wedding in Brooklyn. Like, I'll come with you. And, he, and then I got off the train to Gardens, and I had no idea. I couldn't remember where the wedding was. And Sam somehow knew where it was. So if I hadn't gone with him, I wouldn't have gotten back to the wedding. So that was, yeah, thank you for reminding me. That is, that's a good story. I still didn't do this the first thing. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it was like that kind of harassment. It was like, it was like that's, I don't really respond to that, I guess, very well. But yeah, yeah. But actually, other directors who want to work with Sean, don't do any of that. Right. <laughs> but I, it worked. As long as there's pickles and cheese lattes on set, though. Um, there was, the, no, it was um, yeah, pickles and, wait, what was it? Yeah, they were cheese, matcha, cheese matcha latte. Cheese matcha latte. Oh, yeah. matcha, cheese matcha latte. Thank you. That's right. Wow. Yeah. That was my flavor of the season there. Yeah. <laughs> cheese matcha latte. The yeah, call time crazy. was, uh, yeah, cheesy matcha latte was around the corner. The call time that the day I did show up was like at four or something, right? No, the, the call time on the day you did show up was, was 5 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to be, I wanted to be there for the tough day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Really proving myself. Uh, anyway, I, I also just I like I just like the idea of multiple guys working on a movie. I really wanted want Hunter. I wanted to see what Hunter was going to do, and 
I just like the idea of Hunter shooting more and, you know, I, there's another job that went to Hunter that I was supposed to shoot last, a few months ago. Yeah. I'm sure he did a great Yeah, Hunter, Hunter was amazing. Actually, I'm supposed to call Hunter. I, Hunter's, Hunter's sleeping in my room right now or this weekend. Big shots to Hunter's in there. Andre, what, can you comment on the chaos a little bit, which we're kind of, I still feel like we're in the middle of here. Yeah, we were, I mean, it was like us running around Soho, going to rich people's apartments, pitching the show. Hey, 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 hey. Come what? on. That's not fair. It's true. It's true. I mean, who funds movies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's nothing controversial about that. We have nothing to show them, but an idea. Um, and they they that they decided to take a risk and and where they made the movie. Oh, yeah, big yeah, shouts, no, big, sure. big shouts to them. Yeah, big shouts. Yeah, I mean, big big shouts to rich people. That's you know what makes the world go around. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another aspect of the chaos that I feel like wasn't mentioned is the night that Sean was deciding whether he was going to come on or not. There was I don't know if anyone remembers, but there was the gigantic blue explosion in the sky oh yeah which was, oh yeah uh, which is i guess like a sign from uh, the heavens <laughs> what is, it, what is it a sign of it, the, the entire sky yeah i remember that to get yeah, closer. it was a uh, um transformer box that blew up but we didn't know that yeah we thought we, we did not know we thought the heavens had opened up so when so when you learned that it was just a transformer blowing, did you take that as a good sign for the movie or a bad sign? Generally, giant explosions are not a good sign. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, Sam, what those what director's books you have on the shelves there. You know who you're. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Let's do a little tour. I feel like right. I should recognize those minutes. Yeah, so Sam, tell us. A, yeah, tell, show us like a a few books that influence your your style of working with people that right, influence well, the cat. Foremost, I want to I, I say that the, the technique that I use is uh, bad. It's a bad technique. And it's, it's totally intuitive. Uh, but there's a couple of people who have, who have agreed with it. He has it. a signed copy. Leafy is showing you guys the Stanley Kubrick book I got. Signed copy. Yeah, it's, you know, I love him. Um, but the, the, the really important books, of course, is a book rec recommended to me by Stephen Gerwitz called Cassavetti's Directs, which big, is a diary. Big Stephen Gerwitz. Big shouts. Uh, is a diary of someone who was on You're set right. and love streams, and it's one of the most precious books ever written. I got I Was Interrupted by Nicholas Ray. Come on. Uh, I got Erwin uh, Winkler, A Life in Movies. This is like Scorsese's main producer. I got uh, Love is Colder Than Death, an amazing biography of Rainer Werner Fassbinder. Uh, I got Chaos as Usual, which is a book by people uh, who worked with him. And he gets this big reputation, you know, of being such a, a, a difficult guy. But every story in that book is completely sweet. And generally, they say, if he was so bad, why did I work with him for 20 years? So I think that's important. You know. <laughs> gotta complain about your boss. I, they good. My Last Side by Bunuel. So here, that, what you just said, why did I work with him, that leads me to a question I have. It's, well, it seems like a lot of the stories, okay, Andre saying there was no funding until two, two days before, Sean saying he was bullied into being involved by being followed around, um, the video we played of Peter Green saying you don't listen, 
and all this other stuff, it seems like a lot of people uh, really don't like working with you. So let's uh, <laughs> let's Sam. What is tell what 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 are some things that you did wrong, and and what are they, and and what would tell I, tell people what not to do? I guess that's what. I, I can't. I mean, I don't believe that. Yo, oh wait, hold on. I'm I'm messing up. I need to. I need to send some people some better information than what I sent them. Forward them the thing that I sent you. It's just a link. They just have to click. <laughs> it's easy. Sam likes to surround himself with drama. You know, it's yeah. like the. No, yes, I'm starting to see it. I'm saying maybe, maybe this is part of his there. process is like purposefully creating this chaos. Yeah. He's got a cloud, a smelly cloud around him that he likes to like. <laughs> And all the people that'll make him smellier and dirtier, and yeah, more drama. You know, it just it, and I and I I feel like I have to play that oh, part too. You know? Do you do you enjoy that, Sean, or how how is that for you as a cinematographer? Not 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 so much, not so much, but I could do it for a couple of days. Do you, do you prefer uh, a, a chill set? What was that? Do you prefer a chill set? Yeah, maybe not. I mean, I, I think that there's going to be more unpredictable th things that excited in the end. You know, you know. I mean, I don't want the drama, but um, I, I was going to say, oh, just that there's value to to working this way, and and I, you know, I and I get a kick out of it. And I work with people that 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 uh, thrive off of this, so it, it may, you know, there's a place for it. And and I really was excited to work with Peter and Stella, so. And I also, you know, know that they're like, they bring a lot of, you know, stuff, you know, and that's good and bad, but I think it's mostly good. It's all well, a good yeah, memory. I think people see you as someone who, who does maybe thrive off of, or maybe is good at translating like an anxiety. And it's yeah. always curious, or it's interesting that you, you seem a little bit more laid back, but you're, you're able to- I, I am pretty laid anxiety. back. And actually, I'm, I'm pretty mellow on set, kind of, I think. You know, I get anxious beforehand. I get, I get like in prep and stuff. I get kind of annoying. And, and but you know, once we're rolling, I try to be a little bit like, wait, 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 wait. What are we doing going on right? when we're on set? Yeah, it's it's just all pickles. The story about the pickles is that Sean showed up at, uh, absolutely on time. I said, Sean, what do you need? He said, I need pickles. So I go, I go to one yeah. of the young people who, who, who had never worked in film before who were helping on set, and I say, <laughs> right. we need pickles. And he says, bet. So in like 10 minutes later, I see this young man, Leon Hauzi, running down like uh, West 3rd Street at 5 in the morning with like a with an extra large case of pickles, and he, he shows up, he's out of breath. And I'm like, thanks, man. That, that was amazing. Uh, why were you running? And he he's i said they're for sean and he thought they were a prop um so yeah sam do you think there's a value in this chaos so do, do you think it, maybe maybe people are do, are people maybe misinterpreting you as being a chaotic whirlwind but maybe it's a controlled chaos you're doing on purpose first of all i don't think anyone's interpreting me at all uh <laughs> <laughs> we, we are um I've known you for a while, and I, it's hard to read you. I, I don't think people are so worried about it. But then the, the, I think the answer to the question is like, um, um, it's 
like I, I really like uh, very special people. Um, and, you know, people complain about actors. They say, like, uh, they're difficult or they're emotional. Well, yeah, that's what you're paying them for. Like, paying, you're paying someone to be emotional. Don't get upset when they're emotional. And, and, and people who are talented are often complicated. And, and it's not diff they're not being difficult on set. It's difficult to be them all the time. That's why they're special, and that's why they do such a masochistic uh, act as, as making art, such a sacrificial act as as acting. Um, well, I think so, you have a, I think you have a special uh, like respect for that, given that you are an actor yourself and a very good one. Oh, he's a very good one. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. No one comes back from the bathroom and says, "What was the director's last concept? What was the last camera movement?" They want to know what's happening to the actor. That those are the people yeah. doing the heavy lifting. So yeah, they're fucking. They're, they can they can do and say whatever they want. So so you think do you think you kind of bring that energy to directing because you kind of come from a an acting mindset? I mean, I know what I know what it's like to be directed um, in ways that aren't like if you hire a, a plumber, you don't fucking tell him how to plumb. You know, like no, you just point the problem out. Yeah, and you get out of the way. And so when I hire an actor, I hire an artist. I hire someone. To do to do a job, I've never done a scene where the actor's ideas weren't better than mine. All right, I think Sam. I want to say that, um, and this is a huge shout to you, and I want you to comment on it a little bit. I think something that makes you unique to other people that I just know, even outside of film, and definitely in film, is that while you are maybe interested in a little bit of chaos, I think that there's like a deep morality that guides you as a person and as a writer, and it's something that I find lacking in other people who make art about chaos or in chaotic worlds. They don't think quite as much about, uh, you know, humanity as you do. And I wanted, I just wanted to hear what you had to say about your humanity. <laughs> That's really nice. Of you to say. Uh, it's real simple. Like I, like the substance of all stories are morals. There's no, there's no story that doesn't have a moral. If you write a story, John went to the store and bought some orange juice and, and you say, this is a story, you're making a moral point about like mundanity or whatever the fuck. Sorry, sorry, so so if, if, if you're here telling a story, you're here you're here t telling a moral. And that's, that's it. Like, I want to know about the adventure of John going to the store, not just him going to the store. You just said a statement, that ain't a story. But if I said it's a story, you got to interpret then the Then I'm going to ask for the whole story. Yeah, you're going to be like, what the fuck? No, no, that just sounds like, A, the title to me. No, I, I, I think I agree with you, but I, I, yeah, I would say maybe a lot of people don't. Uh, I actually think it's maybe more of a unique perspective than you're giving yourself credit for, Sam. Oh, I, I, you know, there's lots of different approaches right. to telling to telling stories, and they're all really valid. And. He's but right, um, he the the movies that always move me are movies that help me uh, live. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll work with you, Sam. Oh, Leafy just said he'll always work with me. <laughs> hey, you're one of the people. <laughs> well, I think, for example, like profanity in your movie doesn't read to me as excessive ever. It always feels like necessary or just essential to the world rather than just like, you know, fucking cocksucker, like whatever bullshit. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like it's like a put on. It feels no, like when, when, I, even I know. Wait, hold on. Now. Stella is saying after she puts in the meeting ID and after she puts in that number, it's still asking for a password. There's a password. Send her the password. Email. There is a password. Yeah, it's like yeah, the password. It says the password is twenty two. Send um, her that. 
send her down. Yeah. Yeah. Send, send her, her send her that. Uh, what the fuck, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> Sam basically lives in the Renaissance. Technology is not very like <laughs> logical to him. It's very mechanical. <laughs> Wait, we have one last chance to get Stella. Can one of you guys call her? We can't call no, her. She has, she has to, she has to enter in. with the password. <laughs> fuck. Well. I do agree with you on the profanity in his movies, you know, as much as I fucking cuss like a motherfucker, it's very hard not to add curse words in a script that don't have, because I want to, but I have to be respectful, and I like that. He'll only put, like, it's like a nuance, if I'm correct, right? Do you guys have any really important questions for Stella? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> oh, I, okay. We're going to get her in here, okay. Yeah, do you guys need her number? No, we can't what call the fuck, anyone. Sam? You have to, she has to just log in. She has to use the password. We can't call okay. Does she have the Zoom app? Yeah, I can't okay, believe okay. she hasn't Zoomed this whole time. Wait, I can, I can invite... You You can invite people onto it. All right, you do it, Andre. Um, All right, well, what's her email? <laughs> you have it. I'm not, telling, I'm not reading her email on the radio. We'll take it out. We'll, ta- we'll cut it out. I got it. I got it. Oh my god. Yeah, we're gonna cut out all these like digressions. So wait, and so we only have ten more minutes with Sean, or like five. Yeah. Okay. So then let's let Sean talk, and uh, you guys figure out getting everyone else in here and mute yourselves. Um. So okay, Sean, how long have you known Sam? Uh, since. 2013 or 14 because uh, the first time we worked together was on the Christmas Again movie where he was acting and he was very good. He was young, slim, like a model. Models, as far as the eye could see. <laughs> but he had dimension too. <laughs> he gave us a few, you know, he was really nervous. I remember he was really nervous and uh, he did a few takes of this one bit and each take was completely different and really interesting and i thought wow what a what a great gift and and uh yeah i don't know he was kind of a controversial character in the group before that so i didn't know what to think but i was pretty i was pretty charmed by him uh right away and yeah so i think yeah, that's that's the end of 2013 so and it's you, been that long and you both are kgb mainstays uh <laughs> Maybe Sam's <laughs> muted now. So. Oh shit! Oh shit! Uh, Let me unmute him. Yeah, it'll be weird if I'm just dead quiet during this. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, continue. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, KGB is like you know. Well, you know, I mean, I used to have the video store that I worked at, and uh, that ended a long time ago. But I, you know, and then we had another video store that we could all hang out at. Me and my buddy. I just like to have a place. You know, yeah. and because uh, I used to also, we live in different, we all live in such different neighborhoods. It's not like the old days in New York where everybody lives within five blocks of each other in the Lower East Side or something. So we're all over the place. So yeah, it's that's somehow become, a, you know, just a, it also like, you know, what if we, if we lost um, communication with everybody? That's just where we would go to. You know, it's good to have that place where you would go to like, okay, I know somebody I know is going to be there. So yeah, I mean that's the that's the purpose of that place. Beautiful for me. Um, but specifically with Let's Get Lost, you said 
you weren't sure that you wanted to do it because you didn't know what you could, I forget what you exactly said, but more or less that you weren't sure exactly what you could bring. Do you think you did bring something valuable in the end? Were you wrong? I think, I think it worked out perfect. And I've, this has happened a couple other projects. Um, there was a Dustin DeFay short that I was supposed to do, but I was really sick and couldn't do it. And then Adam Ginsberg did it and totally killed it. And uh, it's, it, you know, I get these feelings kind of, I don't, this not sound like a witch or something, but it, you know, like I kind of just felt like this isn't gonna, you know, let's let Hunter do it. Let's, let's, you know, I, I just feel like you get somebody who's really excited and, and enthusiastic and obviously they're gonna, you know, in certain pieces, they're gonna bring more to it. I, when I came, that day I came, I actually wasn't even necessarily gonna pick up the camera. I was just going to kind of hang out and, and help out and maybe like, I don't know, just be, a, you know, a, a pal or something. But, but I got excited and I, so I ended up, you know, shooting. And how's the relationship with Hunter as like, if you, do you feel like you, you pass the baton sometimes and how's that, how does that feel for you? Only on these specific couple of instances, like have I passed anything on to him? But I mean, he, he's, you know, he, he blew me away when I first met him. He was still in high school and uh and just so so capable and so you know uh eager and just just you know the kind of guy you could, you know you just count on for anything i guess and and it just at his age too and uh i just i was you know it was like boy little man crush stuff i get a lot of those and he was a boy crush that sounds creepy i guess he was in high school too anyway, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i would love to say I would love to say that I passed something on to him. I hope not too much, though. <laughs> just some good thing. He watches for sure. He definitely watches. You know, the way, what everybody's... Uh, I'm sorry, do, you, do you know how we found Hunter? That's a good story. I was a Leonor and Rachel Cast. him on the steps of some building in New York City. He uh, auditioned for a, an anti-robotussin abuse PSA that I was also in, uh, directed <laughs> by. Right, robo tripping. <laughs> Ro yeah, yeah, robo tripping. Uh, directed yeah. by, by Ariel Shulman and Henry Juice. And uh, after that, I think he went to go intern. And then, and then he's been he's been one of our one of he's been a mainstay ever since. He did, he did this. He did a music video that's in uh, this movie Hellaware that I shot, and it's called "I'll Cut Your Dick Off." Yeah. And <laughs> he edited, it, shot it himself, and yeah, he was still in high school, and he, we were like, "Whoa, this kid's amazing." Let's have him on everything. So on heaven knows what he was like my assist. He was running batteries to the chargers and hidden, you know, Starbucks corners and all that stuff. So running always. He shot Hellaware a movie called Giants Lonely that premiered at Venice. Who directed that? Yeah, who Sam? Who directed it? Um, <laughs> have you guys ever robo tripped? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Triple C's, motherfucker! Don't do it. No, it's uh, <laughs> I've, I've never done it. It sounds really horrible. Wait, so it, robo tripping wasn't a thing in your? It was just you decided to be in the PSA. It was just a cause you believed in. Me? Yeah. I mean, I I I got paid. You know, it was fun. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I just curious. No, it's not one of my causes. Oh. Yeah. What, where uh, Eleanor is responsible for a lot of a lot of uh, you know characters in the in our whole sphere. Yeah, you know, she's not a, she's a magnet. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, big, big, sh- big shouts to the, the silent angel, Lane or Hendrix here. Who's big shouts to Lane or Hendrix. And she's also a great actor herself. And, and uh, you know, I don't know what she's been up Amazing to. Amazing actor. She was busy. What do you mean? Like she always stayed or what? No, she was too busy. We'll we'll have her on a different episode. I can try and call her. Maybe she'll say hi. No, that's fine. Nah, (laughs) Andre's pushing it away. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not into it. Oh, here we go. This is something that Sam does all the time. If Elena calls him, whoever we're in a meeting with. He will give the phone to them and be like, say hi to Leonor. We have Eleanor wants to say something. I do. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say what I mean? Wait, say hi. <laughs> Hey, okay. Lenor. Hey, <laughs> guys, have any questions for Lenor before she hangs up? No, I gotta go. She's gotta go. Sorry, you missed oh, your shot. Go, Bye, Lenor. <laughs> fucking guy. Jesus. As Christ, long as she made a guest appearance, that's you know that's what. Sam, you're gonna be in trouble later. <laughs> I told her. I told her. I told her. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, does, does, does John does John need to go? Do we have final thoughts? Yeah. Um. Final thoughts. Yeah, I, I would work with Sam again. He's a good person, and he is very thoughtful, actually. And and uh, and that's why you know. I mean, and I you know I feel bad. I luckily we can joke about it. Also, I did try to. Um, I told him that if he I, he got I did this one shot that he insisted on. And I thought really sucked, and I said, I said you're not going to use it. I'll give you a thousand dollars if you use this piece of shit shot. And now it's the last <laughs> shot of the movie. And. Uh, <laughs> I was just gonna give him all the, you know. I was like, "Don't pay me, just I, you know, you you beat, you won, you won the bet." But anyway, he paid me anyway. He's a good guy, man of his word. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> big last big shot shots of the to the bet. Yeah. Dude, yeah, that's, no, the last shot of the movie is incredible. So I agree. Yeah. Do you, do, did you change your yeah. tune on it? I'm seeing it in context. Uh, I have. I don't know if I've seen the final cut yet. It's on the cinema. I was hoping to see it on the screen because I really wanted to see Peter uh, <laughs> on a big screen. Those close-ups really scary. Yeah, fantastic. Um, but and I was gone. I would have probably gone to Maryland uh, Film Festival for that. But anyway, All right, I do have to run though. I have another. I have another call. I, everyone calls at the same time, so I'm gonna go. Okay. Bye, Sean. Thanks, Sean. Sean. Thanks for coming on the Ion Pod. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, man. See you later. All right. Now daddy's gone. No. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep it going. Andre, do you think that Sam is the last great hope for American independent cinema? <laughs> Honestly, I'm not, I'm not even joking. I wouldn't be spending my time doing this. I do believe that. Big fucking oh, show. Yeah. <laughs> You are, you know, no, I, I'm dead ass. Yeah, I, I get excited every time I have to read one of the scripts. Going back to Tarkovsky, sculpting time. It's like taking this piece and kind of like a block and bringing it out. And this, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> great book. <laughs> but there's also the thing that like every element is important, including like the extras, which is like when oh, we're yeah. watching an Altman movie. We're watching what we're watching. It was like California, California split. split. Uh, California split. 
and, and you see every single extra. And Sam says, like, you could just you could just take any of these extras. The camera could start following them, and you know there's going to be an interesting story. So it's like that's also like every single element. No matter where the camera is going to go, okay, it could have gone away from from the jazz club, gone somewhere else, and if it keeps going with one of those extras or one of the people that were involved, they would have been extremely interesting. That's why I believe in, in these scripts. Wow, we could, we could have like all the guests included because technically we've had Eleanor, Hunter, Stella, and Peter, kind of. <laughs> yeah, we're going to put everybody's name in regardless just so it seems sick. Boom. <laughs> and then we'll take Peter's like... Uh, We'll take Pulp Fiction. I always think of the mask and blue streak, but Pulp fucking Fiction. Clean shaven. Bad, man. Clean shaven, Clean shaven right. Um, wait, also, uh, he's in, um, what's it called? Usual Suspects. Yep. Usual Suspects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usual Suspects. Which honestly movies. doesn't hold up that well. But, but Usual Suspects doesn't? It hasn't held up now in like in the past ten years. It, like it never really yeah. held up. I mean, it's 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 cool, but it's not like I mean. I I, don't even remember. I I haven't I haven't even seen it since I was a kid. But yeah, Rose, Rose exactly. Mary, Pulp Fiction and Blue Streak hold up. Oh hell yeah, Blue Streak was unbelievable. Um, yeah, I actually, the... movie. really? Yep. Holy shit! All right. Holy shit. Oh yeah, no, I oh, I remember yeah, no, there's there's a there's a good there's a Peter Green in Usual Suspects role on YouTube. That's that that'll hold up. Wow. <laughs> just just Peter scenes. Just Peter scenes, yeah. Um did we did we forget oh uh Audrey Turner did production design on this movie. Uh anyone in the world would be lucky to to work for her. Wait, wait, Richie's gonna say a poem to end. To all you cats and kittens out there, dealing with everything going on, just understand there's new artists out there to help set light in this darkness. Many, many artists. You may not know or see them, you may never get to meet them, but you gotta know those artists are still there. And as long as artists are there, the world will have creativity. Even though we're in dark times right now and we must be the beacons of light to help guide the way to those that are not, just remember, two wrongs don't make a right, but two lefts make a right. Boom. Boom. That's it, guys. The movie is called Let's Get Lost. It's I want to hear what they... What did y'all think about it? That was so it's amazing. Yo, that's what I my Fire. Freestyle. You freestyled that? Yeah. Big okay. shouts to creativity. Big shouts to creativity. Love Thank you guys. You. Let's get lost. iPod. Let's get lost in the sauce. Unbelievable. Thank we you, boys. Andre Bojanic, Sam Stillman, and Leafy. Good luck with the editing of this. It's going to be a fucking nightmare. <laughs> you should have seen it. It's going to be as much of a nightmare as I'm sure the movie was to edit. Absolutely. What? I ended this movie in four fucking days. This was the easiest <laughs> job I've ever had. It took you Cutting Florentine silk. That's what it was like. You said months. Actually, you know, you know, I think, Sam, Sam, I think we're going to charge you by the hour for editing this. <laughs> <laughs>
We might, we might, out, we might outsource the editing. Next movie. All right, thanks. Guys. No, I want to know. I like working with you all. Talk to you later. Thank you. Love you guys.